I want to talk for a little while about preparing the present. Preparing the present. So let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God had time attached to the Son. Amen? God had time attached to the begotten one. God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. It emphasizes born. That Son represents flesh here, the body born, because Jesus was born into the earth. Amen? To redeem. We heard about redeem this morning in spirit life. That it means to take possession again. To redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive the adoption as sons. Are you glad you're a son or daughter of the king? And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, capital S, the gift of the Holy Ghost, amen, and his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We truly cannot say Father properly and be a son or a child of God without the spirit which cries out in us. And I want to preach for just a little while about that present, that gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, we thank you for all you do and all you are in us. We thank you for the spirit which cries out of us that you are our Father. And we are not fathered by anything else in this world. We're not bound to anything else. We're not slaves to any idea, any situation. We are children of the Most High, free and in liberty to live in your presence. And thank you for that liberty today. I pray it's in the house of the Lord as we celebrate your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated. One year, as I began to give gifts as a young kid, I, because of my personality type, I like to give gifts that were corny, just goofy, goofy gifts. I, I just enjoyed that. And so anybody remember the unidentified floppy object, that Frisbee that was all rubbery and you could fold it up? Anybody remember those? Those came out. They were a big hit one Christmas. I think this is somewhere around 1990. I know I'm dating myself, but my brother wanted one of those. And so I took that thing and I folded it as small as I could. And I put it in a box about this size. And then I put that box down into the corner of another box. And then I put that box into the corner of another box. And by the time I got done, I had a box about the size of this table, like a wardrobe kind of box. And I just was so excited about the preparing of that present that I was like, oh, it's going to be great. He's going to dig and dig and dig, and he'll have such a great... You know what? I was the only one having a good time by the time he got to the third box. He's like, you got to be kidding me. I still got to keep digging for this thing? He found it way down in the corner, you know, and I thought it was great. I thought I prepared a wonderful present. But I didn't realize until later on that oftentimes it's the gift that's more important than the way that you package it. But there is also importance in the way that you package things. I frustrated him on the way to the present. Amen? I got him. He was like wore out of opening things. And is there even a present? In, is there anything even in here? Is there anything worth digging for anymore? Have you ever felt that way in life? Have you ever made the illustration come to life in this moment where you like you you know God's given gifts to men. You know He's given you things, but you feel like you just have to dig so much to get to it, and you're starting to wonder: Is there really even still a present in here? Is there still even something to keep digging for? And I promise. 
promised you there is something you want in the spirit and presence of God. There's something you want in the power of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing like it on this planet. There's nothing like it to touch a human soul. There is nothing like it to experience God because it is the thing that says, no, I'm not bound. I'm a son. No, I'm not a slave. I'm set free. No, I'm not anything else to be claimed by anyone else. I am the child of the Most High and the spirit that's inside of me when I was filled with the Holy Ghost says, my God is my father. And he's a good God and he's a good father and he came in flesh to redeem me and to experience life the way I experienced it. He is perfect. I understand that and we are not. But he walked through the earth like we did. He put dirt on shoe leather like we did. He was in all points tempted, the Bible says, and yet without sin. So thank God that Jesus came in the fullness of time. And because he was a son, he was able to die and be a perfect spotless lamb, God in flesh. He couldn't be a perfect sacrifice if he wasn't truly God in flesh. Amen? But he also couldn't truly be our advocate if he wasn't a man. He couldn't be the lamb of God unless he was a body born of woman. He had to come through the womb of a woman to enter the earth legally and properly in order to die as a perfect sinless lamb. He has to be both 100% God and 100% man. Anybody know I'm preaching out of the book? But now after you've known God, rather are known by God, verse 9 says... Now it is, it is that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements that which you desire again to be in bondage. He's, he's talking to the people here in Galatia, and he's telling them, look, this is what has happened. The, the God Almighty came, and in verse number 7, he says, therefore you are no longer a slave but son. He came to set you free. Don't run back to the things that God has set you free from. He always wanted a special people, brothers and sisters. That's why he claimed and called Israel. That's what he wanted from Israel. But Israel chose, like every other nation, to choose a human king. And I think it maybe hurts the heart of God every time we try to get something out of somebody else or something that is not intended for our uh, edification and our um, fulfillment. In other words, what I'm saying is, I think it hurts the heart of God when we go after things that he was meant to fulfill in our life. That we we're supposed to look to him to be our father. We're supposed to look to him to be our comforter. We're supposed to look to him to be our savior and our Lord, our guide and our redeemer. Amen. And in all of those things, if we look to something else to fulfill that role in our life, I think it hurts the heart of our God because he wanted to be that for us. He wanted to make us his own special people. Amen. So we see that happen throughout scripture and we we go about learning from the experiences of others and hopefully not running back to the beggarly elements and the bondages that we came out of. The greatest tragedy is to be pulled out of something by the power of the Holy Ghost only to fall back into it. And so we see that he's warning them that this is what's happened and this is where we are and this is who came for us. And I want you to know that you should not run back to those things that you were pulled out of. And then we see that he's, in, he's stressing 
that the gift of God was come in a certain time, that, that all these things were prepared ahead of time, that God had a man and God had a plan before we failed in the garden, that God, through, through his infinite wisdom, being Alpha and Omega, thank you, Brother Reese, for an amazing spirit life class, looked through time and saw the fall of man and would rather give us free will to choose the fall than make us robots to just obey his will. Yes, he has a will. Yes, he has a plan. And I know people just beat that to death in pulpits nowadays. You've got a destiny. You've got a purpose. And yes, you do. But our destiny and purpose is closely interwoven with the destiny and purpose of the church of God. That you step into destiny when you become a child of God. That your purpose is opened up in life. And I know we have individual intricacies of destiny. I get that. That our destiny is often defined by the intricacies and differences and, and, and the things that God has put in each one of us. He's got a purpose individually for each one of us, but that purpose always fits and always dovetails into the purpose of the church, that we collectively have a destiny as the body of Christ, and that destiny is greater than any one individual's destiny. But all of it works together as the church is bought by God. And this present was prepared not to frustrate the world, but to give a gift to men that forever changes their life and how they walk and how they come out of sin. Literally, we could not stop sinning until we had the power of the Holy Ghost rest upon us. Jesus even telling them in the book of Acts chapter 1 to go and wait for the promise because this is how you're going to change the world. You can't do it by yourself. The earth will be affected by the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to be poured out and that power and that principle and that that plan is still in effect today. That when the power of God is poured out, it changes the earth that it touches. We were made of the dust of the ground. And God reached down, I feel like and formed us from the dust of the ground. Then the pattern is this, that when the Holy Ghost is unleashed by the word of God, that the power of that Holy Ghost then touches earth and changes us, amen? It is still the pattern of scripture today. It is still the pattern of the church in the grace age that we live. No, we're not under the law. Thank God we're not under the law. Jesus came and brought us and bought us out of the trials and the air and the circumstances and the cyclical bringing of the lamb every time just to roll the sin ahead. But when it ran into the cross, when all that sin from the Old Testament ran into the cross, it could go no further because for the first time it met the spotless lamb. And then for the first time the spirit had its place because God prepared the presence. God prepared the gift of the Holy Ghost through the cross, you brothers and sisters. Hear me preach today. I know I'm a little Pentecostal. I was raised a little bit excited, but hear my words today. Had God had not prepared the present, had he not wrapped it and put a bow called Calvary on this gift of the Holy Ghost and formed Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary, that that sacrifice would give us access to the Holy Ghost, we would never be able to stand and receive the gift of God. He said, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, 
But wait for the promise of the, the promise is the present. The promise is the gift. He was changing the present with the present. <laughs> I mess with words sometimes and I don't mean to, but I just love how he, he creates things in patterns, brothers and sisters. And living for God is so simple. If you just find the pattern in the word and you just step into that pattern, you step into the present. You step into the gift that he gave us, amen? If you step into the gift of his word, people who are weak and anemic spiritually and have a hard time getting to church like today, obviously we got huge gaps, but I understand people that, and I'm not saying it's just them, I'm saying anyone who does not feel like coming to church, does not feel like walking with God, there's only three things wrong. They're either not praying, they're not reading their Bible, or they're, they don't have enough sleep. They don't have enough rest. How many have slept in before? I don't know if we should ask this question. How many slept right through a church service before and then got up and went, oh, I kind of wanted to go to church? How, how many have missed an appointment, slept right through it, got up and go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have missed that appointment? Same thing is true sometimes in the spiritual life of people that don't mean to miss, but they miss because they're not doing the simple things that he gave us. And so he says, go and wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I'm reading in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. And what is he talking about? He's talking about the promise the thing that Jesus bought by his death, burial, and resurrection is now able to be poured out on the earth. That when God speaks something, and God plans something, and God prepares something, he has to create separation in order to bring it to pass. The word for scripture is sanctification. Sanctification is a big religious word that just means set apart set aside for a specific task. And when he wanted to set apart his church, he had to come and separate us from the sin first. And that's why Jesus was born at a fulfilled time. He planned it. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, so then now they know the promise. They go to Jerusalem. They were scared to death, I'm sure, because Jerusalem is the place where Jesus was killed and, and he was brought out to the hill. And we, they know the whole story. They ran, some of them ran from it. And they were just, maybe they were just afraid. They were just in this upper room afraid that they were going to be next, the next person on the cross. But he, Jesus said, go back, go there, and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Notice the timeline here. Jesus was born at a, a proper at the right time that God had prepared. And then the church was born at the right time that God prepared. Amen. The gift was always given by a God who wrapped it. He always prepared the present before he gave it. Amen. And the present time was come, and they were all in the upper room. And when they were all there on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all in one place. In one accord, that means they all drove there in one small Honda. Are you listening? Anybody? That's a perfect dad joke right there in the scriptures. Hello. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Wind is very important when it talks about the Holy Spirit, because wind is given in Scripture as a characteristic of the Spirit. In other words, what you have to understand is there is some characterizations that take place in natural life that God uses to represent or help us understand spiritual concepts. And one of the major spiritual concepts is the symbol of wind for the Holy Spirit. And wind does not have sound. Wind only has sound when it touches something that is physical. In other words, when the wind blows through trees, you don't hear the wind. You hear the effects of the wind on the leaves and on the trees. In other words, God is setting up the concept that when the Holy Spirit comes, the thing it touches is going to make some noise. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? In other words, when the Spirit has poured out upon man, there is going to become a sound from that wind, brothers and sisters, and ye shall all be filled with the Holy Ghost, and ye shall speak with other tongues as the Spirit, the wind, wind gives you utterance. In other words, the wind is going to affect when it touches the earth. Amen. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues or cloven tongues, tongues that set on each of them as a fire and, and I'm sorry, divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. I started to quote in my head King James Version because I'm old school. I'm trying to read New King James Version. It's a problem for preachers. Help me out, Lord. <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, when Spirit, as characterized like wind, touches flesh, it changes us and we speak forth as the Spirit. And so they knew that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They knew that they had experienced God. They knew that God had prepared the present through the cross, wrapped it in a bow called the upper room. And here they are experiencing the prepared present of God. Can I tell you, he's still falling on people today. Can I tell you, his Spirit still lives inside people today. Can I tell you, that's the first experience of many millions of people that are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you that people are still seeing the wind of God move in their life? Can I tell you there's still a fresh wind when you feel tired, when you're, when you're done with everything that this world has to offer as good for you? I want you to know there's something better. There's something better. It's from the Word of God. It is still everlasting, and it is a power of God that keeps us from turning back to beggarly elements. Amen. And so they go on and we see them experiencing something on the day of Pentecost when all nations have gathered. Many Jews, many, many of those that have been converted are coming from other nations and they're there for the Passover. And the Bible says in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's establishing the authority of the one who came. And he's preaching to all these people. Peter's preaching. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were, they were convicted. 
that they had killed Jesus Christ, the body of God on a cross. They understood what they had done and said, Peter, and then they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Understand that that question is very important in the history of the church. Because all they knew to this point as Israelites is we do something to roll our sins ahead. We do something. There's action involved. If I'm going to get saved, there's action. I have to do something. And that was their concept of God. If I'm going to have a salvation, if I'm going to, if I'm going to have my sins rolled, I need to prepare a lamb that is without blemish. I need to bring it to the priest and have it checked and make sure it's suitable for a sacrifice. I have to do something. And now we're about to cross into, you're not saved by anything but grace. You're not going to be doing anything that's going to merit your salvation. But the Holy Spirit can come upon you and God's power can lead you and you can be repented and you can lay down your sins and you can pray in faith and be baptized and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Look what he says to this answer. He's like, they're like, what must we do? Okay, you want to take action? Let me give you some steps. He said, then Peter said unto them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The prepared present is now in your present. You can have it right now. I thank God for preachers that stand up and tell every soul, you can still have it right now. It is a gift. Just take it. Just receive it. For the promise is unto you. The promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. Oh, that was for them. God's still calling people. So the Holy Spirit experience is still happening today. I experienced it. Have you experienced it? I've experienced it. It's for them, the Jews. It's for those that were afar off, the Gentiles. And as many as the Lord our God shall call. Everyone in here is called. Did you know that? Few are chosen, all are called. Many are called, few are chosen. I'd like to tell you that you're called when you're saved, amen? You're called to a purpose in God, and it's going to cause some separation. In order for God to prepare you for the gifts that he put in you, it's going to create some separation. It's going to ask for some sanctification. It's going to ask for you to say, no, I'm not going to do these things because now I'm a child of God. No, there's something that happened in my life when the fullness of time came. Jesus came to my life, and it's going to cause me to do different talk different, speak different, entertain myself differently, walk differently, and talk differently. So glad that I know that it's not about me being perfect. It's not about me doing all the right things, but it's about Jesus Christ saving my soul. As many as are far off, and the Lord shall call. And with many words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved. Be saved. You're the one that controls it. God's already provided it. You choose it. You have a gift prepared. You get to choose when you receive that gift. If you want the Holy Ghost, you can have it right now while I'm preaching. That hap- that's, a, that, that's in the scriptures. 
When Peter went to Joppa, he was he saw the you know the 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 tabern the all the animals in the blanket coming down was it three different times? First he saw them, and then he was having a dream. He fell asleep, and that was speaking to him of the Gentile population. You know, he saw the pigs in the blanket. I'm just making sure you're still listening. And when he got done with breakfast, he went to Cornelius' house. Amen? God was calling him to step away from the Jews to those that were afar off. And so he's asking God, and we're often asking God, what is it you want to do with our gifts? Amen? That's a very powerful question. Because when you receive the Holy Ghost, that one spirit gives you all the gifts that he wants you to demonstrate. You know, if he wants you to be a person that can discern spirits, that comes with that one gift. Amen? If he wants you to be a person that has the the gift of healing or the ability to pray for people and they get healed, if God wants to put that gift into your life, it comes through that one gift. It's all prepared in the one present. Can somebody help me preach in here today? What a powerful experience that we can choose the moment, though he prepared it before time. He knew when you'd be here. He knew when you would make the mental ascent to say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. He knew when you would step forward and say, I want the Holy Ghost in my life. He knew that. He's prepared it ahead of time. All you've got to do is receive it. That was the situation in the scripture here in Acts because he said, be saved. You step forward. You take the gift from this perverse generation. And verse 41 says, then those who gladly, there it is, received. Those that gladly received his word. Word is always sent before a creation moment. And if you're going to be born again, you have to have word sent. You have to receive that word. It's the pattern of creation, brothers and sisters. And this is a work of recreation. Amen? So we have to have a word sent. That's why we preach the word of God on every Sunday. That's why I get, I get up here and get red in the face. And it's a little off-putting, I know. I understand that. But it's through the foolishness of preaching that God chose to save men. Why? Because the word goes forward, and when you receive it, it creates a creation moment inside of you to where your will lines up with his will, and you step forward and say, I'll take that gift. You prepared it, I'll take that gift. I'll use that gift. I'll pray for somebody altar. I've got the gift. I'll go share it with somebody else. That's what happens whenever the word goes forward. It's in Genesis 1 and 1. Look, I'll take you there. I'm, I'm, I'm way out of my notes here, but you know what I mean. I, I'm, I'm trying to stay with, I, I got so much, it's not even funny, and I'm, I'm definitely not wanting to over-prepare the meal because you know what I said about that last week. Nobody wants overcooked bacon. Oh, wait, that's bacon. You could eat bacon no matter how it's cooked. Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we're talking about creation here, a recreation moment. We fell into sin, and we were then reserved for death. Amen? 
because the wages of sin is death. Now God is going to do a rebirthing, or we're be born. We're going to be born again. That is a creation work. That's a creative work. Amen. How many know that whenever you have a child, you may have the the introduction of the egg and and the sperm, but that creation moment where there's life, there is breath that enters, and at that entrance of breath, that is where life begins. Amen. The blood cell is created, but life begins at the genome, and when it's built, that is where life is at. That's why we stand upon pro-life situations. That's why we stand up and we pray against all kinds of things we've been praying against this week, because we believe life is the creation of life through the aid of man and woman and God. Amen? That God gives the breath of life. And when we stand and we work, can I take a can I take a rabbit trail moment, an ADD moment? When we stand and worship God, and the Bible says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. What are you doing? You're giving him back the gift. You're giving him back the gift he gave you. Life. The breath. What is it when you begin to speak in tongues? When you begin to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you're getting back the gift that he gave you. You're getting new life. You're breathing again in spirit. He began by creating, and he's recreating us in the new birth experience. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. 1 John 1, 5, we know that God is not a God of darkness. He did not make darkness. He makes light. Amen. He is light. That is a characteristic of God. So where did the darkness come from? It didn't come from God. Amen. It was darkness that was present, but it's just the absence of light. Understand that. In other words, God did not make this happen. God was creating, and from creation, he's pulling, he's bringing light to darkness. Amen. That's the creation process. As we are stepping out of darkness into his marvelous, help me somebody, Help me preach. This is the pattern. And the Spirit of God. Here's the Spirit of God working in the beginning. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was. Amen. So what we have to understand is when God created, he spoke. And when God's going to create in you, something is going to have to speak for you to know it's been created. Can somebody help me preach here? When they were in, when they were in Cornelius's house, I'm back to that point now. He was preaching, and they received the Holy Ghost while he was preaching. And then those that came with them, that were of the Jewish people, of 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 those that were of the leadership, they said, "How can we forbid baptism?" And that they have received the Spirit, wind, just like we have, and they have spoken in tongues. You look it up in Acts. They were saying that the creation moment or the new birth experience as we had it in the upper room when the wind came in and we all spoke with tongues as the wind touched this earth was the same experience that they had as Peter was preaching. And so he says, who can forbid water that these should be baptized as they have received the Holy Ghost the same as we, for we heard them speak with tongues. And what he's saying is that when God does a creation work, when the Holy Spirit falls upon man, there has to be a word go forward. And the pattern is the same from creation to recreation. Every time someone is born again, there is a word that 
a vessel full will always spill out the lips of the vessel. And that is what we know is happening and experiencing and seeing here in the scripture. God is just fulfilling what he's prepared all throughout time. Galatians is just the fulfillment of time come to pass. Ephesians, we talk about the power of it. that He grants riches through the Spirit. Galatians, you read it about all different places in the Scripture. I'm just jumping over some notes just so we can finish. I kind of parked in Jude, Reese. I don't know why. My ADD brain took me to Jude. And in Jude chapter, you know, obviously chapter 1, verse 3, he gets to the point where he says, contend earnestly for the faith. That in order for you to stand in this belief, there are going to be others that don't believe it, and you're going to have to contend for it. There are going to be others, just like the book of Acts, that don't receive it. He said those that received it means that there were people in the crowd that did not receive it, or it wouldn't be in the Word of God. There's things that are said in the Word of God that if you look at it, the reason why they're saying it is because there was the opposite present. He says, contend earnestly for the faith which was once, uh, which was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, that delivery system, the Holy Ghost, in the upper room was delivered to the saints. He said, you got to contend for that. you got to fight for that. you got to go after that. For certain men have crept in unnoticed or unaware, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's dealing with people that are turning away people from the grace of God. But I want, you, but I want to remind you, here he goes, he goes, I want to remind you once I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. He brought them out, but they didn't stay out. They wanted to go. Isn't it amazing how the human mind will come out of some things, and we have this, <laughs> we have this ability to edit the past and only remember the good and forget the bad? We have this ability to remember the good and forget the pain. They remembered the good things of Egypt, but they forgot about the slavery. And they wanted to go back to Egypt just for the food. Now, brothers and sisters, the world has some good food. No, this is not my, this is not my message. But understand that the word was sent into the earth, and God's word creates that separation, he's speaking about the separation of the people of God, that he brought them out, and those that did not want to come out, that he destroyed in the wilderness. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. In other words, he said, if, if you don't come out, 
There is only one place for you, and that is separation from God. If we don't separate ourselves in this life to God, we will be separated in eternal life from God. That is the principle here. We have to take initiative to invest the gift that God has given us in our own life. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth for an example. There are example, brothers and sisters. This is the example given, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. We have to understand that this is what God is doing. He's using his word to give us examples of how we're supposed to live. And he speaks of Egypt and the people coming out, the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. You know the story. I don't have time because we're running, uh, running long, so I need to wrap this down. But you know the story of Moses, the deliverer that was delivered, amen? And oftentimes the place where God wants to use you and the destiny of your life is built on your distinctives. When you find your distinctives, you find your destiny in God. When you find your purpose, it's because oftentimes you have leveraged the things that were weak in your life, the places where you fell down so much, you learned how to get up so well that you can teach other people that have fallen in the same place how well to get back up. You have to understand that for you to unleash this gift that God has prepared, you need to not be uh, opposed to God. Use your weaknesses opposed to God using the places where you just couldn't get it right because his grace can cover a multitude of sins his love never stops and whenever you learn to get strong from the places of your weak there is scar tissue there that you can look at for the rest of your Christian life and you can go yes I was wounded but the scar means I healed and let me teach you how to heal from a pornography addiction. Let me teach you how to walk out of a body issue or, or, or image issues. Let me teach you how to live for God in this present age. Let me teach you how to walk with God when none of your family, let me help you learn to use the gift of God in your life. Unleash what you are in this earth to find your presence and purpose in God. That literally, this is what God is saying in this scripture, that the gift of God is meant to be used every day. This isn't just a thank you so much. I love this Christmas present. I'm going to put it over here, use it for six months, never use it again. He said, this is what you have to do. You have to use it, and you have to contend for it. And that word of God, when it goes forward, it's going to change your life. And so the deliverer gets put in the bulrush and it's going to get sent down the Nile. You have to understand that the Pharaoh was scared of the Jews. They were growing up. The population was becoming so great, so he decided he'd kill all the firstborn. And that's what put Moses in a basket. Amen? And so Moses ended up in a basket on the Nile, and the one that drew him out was Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses knows the separation. I'm still on that point. Moses knows the separation. He knows what it's like to be, have a different bloodline but still live in a palace. He knows, he knows what it's like to live in this earth today but still be a child of God. He knows what it's like to see the way the world is going but still know a peace from the word of God in your own heart. 
He knows what that separation is like. And sometimes that, that difference between your past and your present can nearly tear you apart. But you have to understand that you need to prepare the present in your life. You need to spend time on where you are right now. And if your past keeps popping up, you need to put that under the blood and bury it with Jesus Christ in that tomb. Because that's why he went in there. It's so that whenever you are baptized, you are covered by the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ. And you have put your faith in him. And you know that God has literally covered your sin. It's just as if it never happened. So when the devil reminds you of your past, you know what the saying is. You remind the devil of his future. Because the word of God is what you use to defeat the enemy and build your present day revival and moment with God. Your birth and your experience in God is all built on the word of God. And so in order for you to prepare the present that God has given you in this moment and prepare your life for use with those gifts is that you literally have to learn the word of God and use the examples in the word of God to leverage against any voice and anything that comes up, brothers and sisters. We are not called to just drift through life and do nothing with the breath that he's put in us, brothers and sisters. We must do something with the gift that he's given us. And so understand that though we are preparing the present Though we are looking to see what God wants to do in us, how we prepare for this moment indicates to everyone else the weight of that moment. How you prepare for the things that are coming next indicates and tells the world how much value you have, how much value you have in what's coming next. Have you prepared for his next coming? Do you live your life ready for heaven? You know the trumpet's going to sound and Jesus is going to come back. He's coming to get his church out of this God-forsaken world. And we know that if we understand how much he prepared the gift, then we ought to not only take that as an example, but we ought to prepare our present, amen, for that place. How many believe that? And so... I just want to wrap up with this because this is the value and the importance of the gift. He's talking about these people that separated themselves from God. And he says, these are spots in your love feast. Well, verse 12 of Jude, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, plural, we are supposed to be carried about by the wind, singular. That one spirit gives us all the gifts. Amen? You can study in that in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. Is that right, preachers in the house, Brother Reese and Brother Rob? 1 <clears throat> Corinthians has the breakdown that says all the different things. Do you have a second? Should I read it for us? Are you in too much of a rush? Can I just read it for you? Let's go ahead, and we'll do it quick, I promise. You came to hear the word of God, did you not? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm thinking of verse 7 of chapter 12 is what I was thinking of. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away. Carried away. I guess I could put by the winds, but carried away to these dumb idols. Everybody say dumb idols. Everything that carries you away from God is just a dumb idol is what he's saying. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit, everybody say wind, that singular Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I want to call Jesus as my Lord. And the Bible says that you can't do it without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Understand the essentiality of being filled with God's Spirit right here that I'm preaching is you have to understand. This may be different from your upbringing. I don't know what you were taught about how the Spirit infills you and and how important the Holy Spirit is. I, I think most of us in here would say the Holy Spirit is everything we need. Amen? We need God's Spirit in our life. And this scripture says so. Put it back up there for me, tech team, that you cannot call Jesus, truly call Jesus your Lord except through the Holy Spirit. No man. He's saying no one can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. That one wind, that one experience, that one gift gives you the ability to call Jesus your Lord. In other words, you will seek idols unintentionally all your life. You will run from one thing to worship to another thing to worship, even unintentionally until you're full of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost lets you say, Jesus, you're my Lord, and you'll always be it. I don't know how it happens, but my heart can run to things that I don't even know I don't want until I get there and I realize this isn't it. This isn't satisfying. This doesn't fulfill me. But the Holy Ghost inside of you says, no, don't even try it. It's just false advertising. It won't turn out like you think. That relationship will only hurt you. Understand that you have a spirit of God in your life that keeps you calling Jesus your Lord. And you can't do it without it. There are diversities of gifts in this one gift, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. He's working, brothers and sisters. And it's a prepared present that He gave us And so here it is. I promised you I'd read it. And there are diversities of all things here listed. But the manifestation of the Spirit, that one Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through that same Spirit. Notice he's hitting on it. It's that one gift of the Holy Ghost that gives you all of the abilities to activate the certain specific things that God has buried in you from the beginning of your birth that he's going to turn on when you get the Holy Ghost. 
for the one that's given the word of wisdom. We'll go to verse 9. To another faith by the same spirit. Did you know the spirit gives you faith? Come on, brothers and sisters. This is a gift. What a gift. To another gift of healings by the same spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. This gift can give you the ability in your natural life to discern the spiritual things of the spiritual life. You're standing in time going, I know it's happening in eternity. <laughs> that one gift... Oh, how he prepared the present he gives. Verse 10, I'm still there. To another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. He's prepared a great present for you. I hope that today you see the need, and I hope you see that you want the power of God's one spirit in your life. Would you stand with me today? Jesus, we thank you. You didn't prepare a gift that frustrates us. You didn't prepare a gift that leaves us lonely. But this gift is our comforter. This gift is our help. This gift is a place where we can pray in the Spirit that your gift and the power of the Holy Ghost and the tongues that you give gives us a place to pray when our spirits are weak and when we need you most. We can pray in the Holy Ghost, building up our most holy faith. God, thank you for teaching us we can pray with our language. And we can pray in the Spirit with your language. That you use the Word to do a creative work and that whenever the wind of God touches us, there is a sound. There is a sound that comes from this earth. Thank you for creating a space in us where we are willing to separate. There's somebody in this room who is going through separations of relationships. You're going through separations and, and situations. Maybe you're, you're changing jobs or you're feeling a separation. And you know God is calling you to what's next, but you're just not sure how it's all going to manifest. I promise you, if you pray, I promise you, if you get filled with the Holy Ghost, he'll make the separation a preparation for you. That separation is nothing more than a preparation of the present, the gift that God wants to unleash in your life. There are people in this room that desire to be used in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Paul said we should desire earnestly the gifts. I pray you unleash a desire in somebody's heart in this room for the gifts that come through the Spirit, that they would become desirous of a gift from God, and they would go after it. They would search their life and see where do they have certain things that already exhibit these kind of things. When If they're a person of great faith, let them pray. Lord, show me if you have given me the gift of faith to pray for people. Lord, if there is something in my life where I exhibit the understanding that God wants to do a miracle and I just have the faith to believe it. And I know the doctor says you got a year to live, but for some reason down inside of me, I feel like God can turn it around and I want to pray a miracle on your life. Help somebody to find that gift. 
that they can pray miracles over people. And we know we're not a seeker of those things, but these signs shall follow them that believe. You shall cast out devils. You shall, if you touch anything or drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. We know that these things are meant to be there for our protection and for a present to us, a gift to the people of God. So help somebody to step into their gift today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Why don't you take a time of prayer as they're playing some music. If you need to go, I understand, but take an understanding of this gift. Any gift you see under the Christmas tree, remind yourself of the greatest gift he gave, that he's prepared a present for you. If you need the Holy Ghost, I will pray with you. God will move on your life right now. Let's sing together. Let's worship God together. Let's lift our hands together. Let's, if there's some traffic here in the room, don't worry about it. Just focus on you and God right now. If, if there's anybody that has to leave, that's fine. God bless you. We love you. We love you with the love of Christ, but let's worship God together. Let's sing. Let's sing. Let's sing. Let's sing and worship the Lord. Why don't you come and place a knee at this altar? Why don't you come and pray? Why don't you come and thank him if you have the gift of the Holy Ghost? Why don't you come and thank him if you need to sit sit and thank him for the evidence and the power that is in this gift? Thank you, Jesus, for preparing such a beautiful gift that unleashes the the diverse things in my life that you want to have come to life. Breathe on somebody's gift in this place, God. Come on, form a place. Prepare a place for the gift. Pray, God, help me to become what you want me to be. I step into destiny moments. Come on, take some weight on this moment. Make this moment important. Make this present moment weighty. It is God who gives gifts to men. We're thankful, Jesus. We're thankful, Jesus. Let this gift move upon you. Let the Holy Ghost move in this room. The Lord is for you in this place today. The Lord is for you in this place. Turn your heart to the Lord. Put your faith in God today that he's opening up new gifts in your life from that one spirit, that that one gift is activating right now, every other gift in you right now, that you're going to feel greater faith when you leave here, that you're going to be able to pray for miracles, that you're going to walk into a room and say, you know what, I feel something I'm going to pray. I'm starting to discern spirits. Come on, that gift is to protect you. That gift is to lead you. That gift is to guide you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, that gift is so that you can call him Lord. So your heart doesn't run to things that can destroy you. Come on, make him Lord of your life right now. Make him Lord of your life right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed, praying right now. Make him the Lord of your life.
Jesus. Thank you. 